My Journey with Cancer. I've discovered a golden truth that from the start I was in your heart. A revelation that changed my world that from round one I am God's son. To be sure, in my mind, just who I am brings such peace. Such joy In my heart, in my soul This means everything I'm a man on a mission I'm God's envoy For now I cancer sufferer. I'm a human being with cancer. It's my belief that God has called me to be frank and open about my cancer and my journey, whether it be long or short, to tell the world what it's like to have cancer and to walk that journey and to share with anyone who will listen what God can do so that you can see what cancer treatment is like. For many of us, it's a mystery and it's a frightening thing, but it isn't. It doesn't have to be. And if you listen to my journey, it might give you hope in yours. Pops, yeah, we'd love to come on the journey with you. Amen. In August 2018, at my six-month review following radiotherapy, my PSA had fallen to 0.08 just a whisker away from the zero reading they were looking for. This led to a further review some four months later, which revealed a rising trend in my PSA level, indicating something serious was happening. In early December 2018, we knew I had developed secondary cancers. At that point, things looked bleak to say the least. I was so ill, I was unable to work and was forced into early retirement by my circumstances. The cancer had spread to my chest and four large tumours were growing on my left lung, which in turn caused a thickening of the protective pleura that covers the lung, making it harder and harder to take deep enough breaths. I often felt short of breath. I needed morphine to control the pain in my chest and was unable to walk up a flight of stairs without stopping at least once. But what was perhaps more devastating, and a development that was something of a surprise, was that there was a fifth tumour growing on my heart. A bleak, bleak outlook in anybody's book. I began my chemotherapy on December the 17th, 2018, with a PSA 20 times the level it was at my initial diagnosis, and a staggering 700 times the level it was at the end of my radiotherapy. My chemotherapy was to be administered in three-week cycles. I felt it wise to step down from my preaching duties in church and from the ministry team, at least for the duration of my treatment. So life took on a bizarre rhythm over this three-week cycle of chemotherapy. Everything was now geared to getting through each new treatment and sadly, attendance at church was often a casualty of this. I attended when I could, but for me it was too little and that in itself was hard to accept. 
Everything had consequences. Every part of our lives was in many ways ruled by the rhythm of chemotherapy. But through it all, I had the constant assurance of things people had shared with me, or of verses from the Bible that God gave me as an encouragement. A verse in Hebrews 11 is one such verse. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. It was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. Because of our faith, we know that the world was made at God's command. We also know that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And in 1 John 4, a verse I've read before and one that means a lot to me. God is love. If we keep on loving others, we will stay united in our hearts with God, and He will stay united with us. If we truly love others and live as Christ did in this world, we won't be worried about the day of judgment. A real love for others will chase those worries away. The thought of being punished is what makes us afraid. It shows that we have not really learned to love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. All through this time, people in their hundreds have been praying for me. That alone has been a great help, knowing that people, many of whom I have never met and never will, would take the time to come before God on my behalf, has been one of the most humbling yet encouraging things in my life. A perfect demonstration of love in action, because love gives without seeking anything in return. The encouragement of friends in church and my own family helped me get to the end of this particular road, and it was a joyful and emotional moment when at last my journey along this road came to an end. My wife Christine and my daughter Lynn were both there when I got to ring my bell. For those who don't know it, it is a particular rite of passage that patients who have undergone either radio or chemotherapy are invited to go through. In almost all cancer treatment facilities, there is a bell, often mounted on a wall with a message below it reading, Ring this bell three times well. It's told to clearly say, My treatment's done, this course is run, and I am on my way. So flanked and applauded by the staff of the chemotherapy unit, it was indeed a great joy to ring that bell. It was indeed a great joy to ring that bell, a joy tinged with a little sadness, knowing that for some that day may never come. There are those who never get to the end of treatment, some succumb to the cancer, some, for other reasons both medical and social, just cannot carry on to the end. I, of course, have had the privilege of ringing my bell twice and Christine and Lynn were with me on both occasions, but I have to ask myself, what does it all mean and has it been worth it? I've had two aggressive and difficult treatments, still at the end of it my PSA remains stubbornly above zero. The Bible tells me in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And you know that's the devil coming with lies and deceit, telling me that God doesn't care. 
But you know, disease, including cancer, has its origin not in God, but in the devil. He's the reason death entered this world. He alone is the cause of suffering and heartache. But this verse continues, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I tell you for certain that I am the gate for the sheep. Everyone who came before me was a thief or a robber, and the sheep did not listen to any of them. I am the gate. All who come in through me will be saved. Through me they will come and go and find pasture. A thief comes only to rob, kill, and destroy. I came so that everyone would have life, and have it in its fullest. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives up his life for his sheep. The I is none other than Jesus, and he is promising abundant life to all who follow him. I don't know right now what the future holds, or if I even have a future. So talk of abundant life seems a nonsense, like a bad joke, God having a laugh at my expense. I can see how those who believe that God will heal them, or a sick relative, would feel like that. I get why people can be, and often are, bitter about those who are not healed, who don't get well, and how they can in some way resent those who get healed, whether through medical care or God's divine healing. I could, of course, be completely cured of cancer, Hopefully, by this treatment regime alone, or at some future time, by miraculous means. But this just makes the juggling act of my emotions much harder to bear at this time. I have to hold all possibilities in tension, only knowing one of them is going to happen, and I am not the one who will decide, in the end, which of those will come true. Soon, I come to a junction in my journey with cancer, and I will turn either left or right into another stage of my journey. One will lead to continued treatment, maybe simply fighting a rearguard action to hold the progress of the disease, or it may be more aggressive treatment is needed. The other will lead to a leafy lane down which I stroll to a destination called Cured. Which will it be? I honestly have no idea, but I am confident that God does. The abundant life in the verse I quoted earlier does not mean long life here on earth. Life on earth is but a foretaste of eternal life, which is what Jesus is offering. Trust me, he says, and you will live beyond death and dwell with me in heaven. But abundant life is also about the quality of life lived here and now. We sing, I am no longer a slave to fear. But that can only come from the abundance of life that Jesus brings. A man called Arthur Schopenhauer has said, Every parting gives a foretaste of death, every coming together again a foretaste of the resurrection. We have to remember that for the Christian beyond death comes the resurrection, comes new life, comes new hope. I've come to the end of Chemotherapy Road. Now I will be sent one way or the other. But pausing and looking back once again, I ask, was it worth it? Well, along the way I met a couple of friends I hadn't seen for 20 years. We swapped tales of old work colleagues as our chemotherapy dripped into our arms. I made new friends, you see, just as I am prayed for by those I've never met. I too have been privileged to pray for someone I never met, a lovely lady called Rosalie, a Christian who recently died from cancer. But along with many from my church, we prayed for her and her family. Though never having met her, I feel close to her. Praying for her 
having the effect of drawing us closer. At this stage in my treatment, I am pain-free. I can breathe relatively normally. I'm back in my garden and able to do everything I want to do. I'm planning to return to preaching and ministry when the church gets back into its normal routine following the summer programme. Physically, outwardly at least, I look fine and by and large feel fine. For me, on this level alone, it's been worth it. And this very show, which has so much potential for good, also makes it worth it, perhaps even more so. I have, of course, the problem of the consultant's visit coming up, which may throw all my hopes and ambitions into disarray. So while I'm relatively happy and confident, I still have at least one hurdle to overcome. In the Bible, we are encouraged in the book of Hebrews to come to God in times of trouble. One verse in chapter 4 encouraging us with these words. We have a great high priest who has gone into heaven, and he is Jesus, the Son of God. That is why we must hold on to what we have said about him. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness and we will find help. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Sometimes it can feel like you're running out of options, but there's one I will always choose, his sailor with leaning on the everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a In the coming weeks I intend to do just that in prayer To get on my knees and ask God to be both gracious and merciful And I expect God to answer that prayer Sometimes those little acts of kindness I've talked about Make all the difference Just knowing someone cares, someone hears my cry is enough to make things bearable. You may feel that there is no one for you, that no one cares or understands, but I have found that people are more generous and kind than I ever imagined, and God has a way of putting those people in my path. He would do it for you too. I'm facing an uncertain future, but whatever happens, I know that God will keep me safe, and one day, I will see him face to face.